Good afternoon. Millennium Consulting is running a series of podcasts during which we hear about the careers and backgrounds of some of the world's most successful technology leaders. Today, we are talking with Bonnie Tinder, founder and CEO at Raven Intel. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. It's great to be here. I'm so pleased to be a part of your podcast series. Uh, so we kick off with the first question. Uh, you've enjoyed a successful career within the HR technology space over the past 20 years, going on to found Raven Intel in 2018. So can you tell us what made you decide to pursue your career in this sector? You know, I think the HR technology space is one of the most exciting places to be because you have an intersection of people and technology and and um, this idea of being able to um, really enable uh, organizations to um, empower their people through technology and manage their workforce effectively. To me, the intersection of those two things um, is, is so exciting. And I think what has happened over the last, um, you know, five, 10 years in terms of um, cloud technology and now AI uh, or AI is, you know, really has made the space incredibly interesting and, um, you know, it's very dynamic. So I think all of those, for all of those reasons, um, you know, it's a great place to be and why I chose it. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I founded a company called Raven Intel um, that really um, helps customers of, you know, that are implementing enterprise software choose the best partner for their projects. And um, so I took a subset of the, that HR technology world um, and a pain point that I identified and, you know, my long um, sort of time in, in the industry and built a, a business around it because I felt like customers needed a tool in an independent way to do research on, on consulting partners. And that's really the genesis of, of the business. So continuing uh, with the discussions on Raven, what are the main challenges you currently face at Raven Intel? Um, you know, I, I think I'll, I want to talk first about the challenges just in general with implementation um, of, of HR technology and, and it, just enterprise technology in general. Um, you know, implementation of a big software package is something that most people do maybe once in a career, uh, maybe twice in a career. It's not something that you do every day. Um, and a lot of people are very happy for that because implementation um, can be extremely challenging. Um, and like, like any big project, um, you know, if it's, if it's worthwhile doing, um, it's, it's going to have, um, you know, you're going to have a lot of um, challenges in, in, you know, from, in, you know, in, in building the plan and converting your information over and getting uh, that system adopted. So, you know, implementation is something that you want to make sure that you're spending the time to do the planning up front to ensure that you have a smooth process. It's not always, it's, it's not going to be probably smooth. I mean, that's, you know, implementation is, is known for its hiccups. On the other hand, if you can 
plan and you choose the right partner and the right software, um, that process um, can be as pain-free, um, you know, more pain-free than than um, just you know entering entering things without a lot of due diligence. So I would say you know that's what what Raven helps customers to do is 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 plan through uh, you know through the um, that initial selection process. Um, I think the challenge uh, that that you know Raven faces as a as a business that's been around for uh, now two years um, is just getting customers to know that we're there. I talk to customers all of the time who said, "Oh gosh, I wish I had Raven when I was going through an implementation, um, or I wish I knew about Raven." Um, before. And so just getting the word out and letting customers know that we exist, um, you know, certainly that's something that I think about every day is how do we get in front of more um, software customers to let them know that we are a resource, a free resource for them um, to ensure their projects are, are great. So Millennium were introduced to Raven Intel through Unit 4. So could you please explain how the relationship between Unit 4 and Raven Intel works? So Unit 4 um, is one of our enterprise software customers. And um, we um, are sort of an independent platform for Unit 4 to um, manage and showcase the work that their partners are doing. And so on our site, if you look at ravenintel.com and you click on on the Raven, uh, I'm sorry, on the unit four um, area, you will see all of the certified partners uh, for unit four. And um, more importantly, the reviews that customers have provided um, that, that firm. And so number one, we help customers of unit four make a great decision when they're implementing um, in, in a partner. So based on peer reviews, um, they can go out to our site, see all the options that they have and select the right partner for their, um, for their projects. Um, and what we do for unit four is really help them ensure consistency within their uh, implementations um, and, and, and quality partner delivery. And um, you know, when you have so many partners, you know, responsible for implementations, having that sort of independent oversight, having a place um, that that really helps ensure quality and transparency um, is, is important. And so we're able to help Unit 4 uh, in that process, uh, really ensure that every single one of their customers' uh, implementations um, are great. And if they're not, you know, how they can go about fixing them or enabling partners, uh, you know, with better tools to make sure that quality delivery is, um, you know, is consistent. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so now we're going to talk about you. What motivates you and makes you want to get up in the morning? I think big picture, it is taking a complex problem and making it simple. Um, that's always been something that I've enjoyed most throughout my career is, um, you know, creating tools to help um, 
you know, really solve complex problems in an easy way and in a, in a, in a way that's easy for people to digest um, what the, the potential, uh, you know, solutions are um, in, in an easy way. And so what motivates me, I think, is, you know, as it relates to my business today, is creating a simple way for a customer to make a great decision and a partner creating a simple way for a consulting partner to showcase all of their customer experience in a, in an easy, you know, platform and also, you know, making it easy for software vendors to really have a bird's eye view on what their partners are doing, uh, who their best partners are and what their, um, you know, how they compare to, to their peers in terms of implementation. So I, I, I would say what motivates me is, is, being able to create those tools that really take a, a lot of data and put it into a very digestible uh, format so that people can look at it and make a quick decision and know what's right. Is there anything you'd wish you'd known when you first started your career? Gosh, I, you know, <laughs> that that is a, you know, when I first started uh, my career, it was, I mean, it was, I started my career implementing HR software for a uh, actually a, an HR and payroll vendor, um, you know, based in the U.S. And um, I think about the internet back then. It was dial-up connections. We were just learning what email was, and um, you know how dramatic of a change things have, you know have gone through since back then, which was, you know, even client server at that time was considered like the thing. Um, and I look back at, you know, really how manual things were back then versus now, you know, where everything is cloud, everything is mobile, you can get at your data, you know, from anywhere in the world. You know, it there's there was has been such a dramatic change over the last 25 years. Um, you know, particularly in HR software. Um, you know, I, I think you, on the one hand, the technology has changed so much um, over that period of time. But, you know, I think back, you know, processes and good project management and things like that, what stayed consistent, even, you know, independent of the, the technology that we used. I mean, there's some common themes that, um, you know, that, that will always ring true, you know, no matter what technology that you're using. And I'd say, you know, the lesson learned in there, what I wish that I had, had known is, is technology is important, but it is not everything. And, um, you know, and so you need to focus on technology as well as good process, good project management and things like that. Um, you know, the, both sides of the, the coin there um, and just realize that, um, you know, whatever business problem that you're solving, you need to almost, you know, sort of think about technology as secondary and number one, focus on, you know, what's the people, what's the process, um, you know, and how are we going to solve things independent of the technology, let the technology follow that. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, those would be the things that I would say, you know, you learn over 
um, over a lot of years. But um, yeah, looking back, that's it. And what advice would you give to someone starting their career within the technology industry today? I would say, um, you know, most important, like, and related to what, what I just mentioned about a lesson learned is what is so critical in, I think, in our, in our business today is the ability to listen and communicate, number one, to build good relationships um, with those around you, with your colleagues, with, you know, potential employers, um, you know, and, and, um, and those relationships always need to come first before technology. So it's important to know, you know, and, and be, you know, extremely proficient in technology and, and to have uh, skills that are going to be marketable. But I think equally important is the ability to communicate, um, you know, what it is, you know, what it is that you're solving. What are the larger impacts to the business that you want to have? And I think you need to have both to really have a career that flourishes in the technology sector. Um, you know, you, you can know everything there is to know about the technology and still fail if you don't understand the people and the business side of things. Um, so I think it's important to to focus on both and and you know like anything else, you know networking and you know the people are are probably going to be the best ways that you're going to get that that first job and um, and move up within the organization. So you know continue to 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 build your network because it's it's so important. That was a great answer. Thank you. Um, sticking with recruitment, what are the key skills and personal qualities you look for when hiring? I, I would say, you know, in addition to experience and, um, you know, and, and the skill set for the particular job at hand, um, I think seeing someone who has a passion for what they are doing um, is so important um, and it's so visible, I think, from the first time that you meet somebody, um, whether they have a fire and an excitement for, um, for their work. And I think that's contagious. It's something that I look for um, is, you know, how excited is somebody about the field or about previous work that they've done? Um, and number two is, you know, how much of a, of a, creative or strategic thinker is somebody. So not only somebody who can do the job, but take that job, own it, and, and bring things to the next level. I would say, you know, that that sort of visionary um, attitude. And then the third is somebody who's results driven. So, you know, being able to not only have great ideas, but show Here's, here's my idea, and then here's how, um, you know, how, here were the impacts of that. Here were the results of this particular campaign or, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I, I would say those three things, in addition to, um, you know, experience are, you know, to me are what set certain people apart um, from the rest. And what do you think will be the key employment challenges faced by the next generation? You know, I think the 
period that we are in right now, um, you know, with the the COVID situation um, and a highly distributed workforce um, is something, you know, that that happened very quickly. And, um, you know, that that a lot of businesses had to adapt to that environment, um, you know, and and managing um, employees. Uh, in a in a distributed work environment, I think that will um, you know present certain challenges in the future to understand. Okay, so how do I um, empower a highly remote workforce um, when we're not you know able to be in the same physical proximity and use some of the tools that you know we had before in terms of of building office relationships. So how do we do everything and build a culture in the digital world? Um, I think that that's probably um, gonna be the biggest challenge is you know, being able to, um, to really communicate clearly and to um, you know, enable your workforce in a, a totally digital setting. Um, I think that that's something that we're still evolving to um, some companies are a little bit further than others because they were used to this environment in the past. Um, but it's it's a challenge and it will continue to be for many years. And back to you, um, a question we ask all our guests, what are your interests outside of work and how do you relax? So I have a, a family. I have a son who is in uh, is a sophomore in high school and is starting back at school virtually this week. Um, and, um, what I enjoy, uh, to do in, when I have a free afternoon, um, I love figure skating. And so I actually, um, it, that's my, my favorite go-to activity stress reliever is, is skating. Um, something I picked back up, um, later in life, I was, I skated as a, as a young kid and, um, yeah, I love doing it. That was very cool. Um, so we're actually on to the last question now. And uh, we can't avoid the subject of COVID-19. Um, so what do you think the impact on the global economy will be over the upcoming years? What I saw initially, um, and, and global economy, that's, that is a, that's a, it's a, a, a big far-reaching statement, but let me tell you a little bit about what I saw initially and what I see now. So um, I actually, uh, Raven worked with um, a, a HR professional industry group. We did a study, um, you know, in April to ask what the impacts of the COVID-19 situation were on current projects in flight. So um, you know, how has the pandemic impacted those projects? And in about 75% of the current projects, those projects were either stalled, put on pause, a um, couple, you know, maybe 10% were canceled altogether. Um, and the rest of them had a change in scope. And so, you know, companies really pared back what they were doing in terms of projects um, and, and things like that. What we're seeing now though, and this is you know, 
five months later after this study is that I think slowly companies are starting to, um, you know, pick those projects up. So those those 75% that, you know, stalled or, you know, the portion that stalled um, are starting to now pick those, you know, uh, pick those pieces back up and get those, you know, back, those projects back on track. Um, so I think we're seeing now, you know, companies starting to realize, okay, so we need to continue our projects um, if we're going to enable our workforce for the future. And we're actually seeing more companies looking um, at new digital programs for 2021 um, as well as new projects to reinvent, uh, how should I say, you know, breathe new life into existing platforms that they have. Um, so I think eventually, um, you know, we'll see things come back to, um, you know, probably within the next year, back to where they were in terms of software investment. We've already seen certain industries actually booming in terms of digital transformations. Um, you know, but the, it, it, it comes in, in different places. You know, there's certain industries that haven't yet um, gotten the, the, the train back on track, um, but, but I think that's going to happen. Um, and I think, you know, the next six months are gonna be very interesting um, particularly in the U.S., you know, what's going to happen with the election, um, what's going to happen with, in terms of a vaccine. You know, are kids going to physically be able to go back to school, um, you know, post-October and things like that? I think all of those sort of um, indicators will help to speed uh, the, the global economy, um, you know, ramping back up and things like that. Um, but I think we're still probably six months off from really understanding what the long-term sort of outlook is. But I would say that, you know, how quickly we can get to a vaccine and how safe that vaccine is when we can get kids back in school, those are, those are two huge, um, I would say, indicators as to, to what the future is going to look like in terms of global economy. That's all we've got time for today. So thank you very much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me.